Hello and welcome to the South American Football Show. We're going to be talking Copa Libertadores this week. We've finished the group stage. We've just had the draw for the next round. We're going to talk about what's to come. We're going to talk about what's happened so far. Who are the teams who are looking potential favourites? Who's been surprise eliminations? Uh, what happened to everyone who's not Brazilian and uh, Argentine? Um, all the big issues, all the big questions. Is this competition as unpredictable as it once was? We're going to look at some of those questions, look at how the groups ended up. And I'm delighted to say, uh, returning Tom Robinson, regular now, Tom, you're, you're here every week. I know, I'm just uh, putting in the hard yards and uh, hoping for hoping for that big call-up one day to the, to the national team. You know, you've you, you got to do it. But no, it's been um, a really fascinating group stage as always. And um, even if we've now got a little bit of a break before the, the knockout stage gets underway, there's plenty of other South, of, South American football going on. So always enough to keep us on our toes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to have a bit of a Libertadores break, but it, uh, national team football's coming back. Probably, uh, that's a that's a whole another conversation for another day. But first of all, let's let's wrap up this Libertadores and look ahead to what we have coming up in the second half of the year. Also, delighted to say I am joined by Ralph Paraguay, Ralph, the man who knows everything about Paraguayan football. Uh, Ralph, welcome to the episode. Welcome to the show. We've spoken before about Paraguayan football. Now we might get a few of your views elsewhere on the continent. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Hi, Simon. Hi, Tom. Thanks for inviting me. You've been doing some great work going through these each week because the games have been coming thick and fast. So it's kind of nice that we have this uh, this short break, at least from club football, to kind of reset but of course like you're saying there's there's plenty going on in international football as well so lots of south american action i think for for all kind of interests absolutely well let's get straight into it because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about um tom group a palmeiras very good very efficient very effective uh, and defensa y justicia just pipped uh, independent del Valle to the second spot what were your thoughts on this group uh, happy with those two? Disappointed to see IDV miss out? What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, this was one of the groups that we thought potentially was going to have a, a a really big battle to see who could get through because there was sort of three going into two with a no disrespect meant to Universitario. Um, and it kind of ended up a little bit easier than perhaps we'd expected for Defensa Justicia. They had to dig in and, and sort of show some resolve there, which I think is probably one of the key differences between themselves and, and Independiente del Valle. I, th- I felt like they were just a bit more streetwise, a little bit more pragmatic potentially than the Ecuadorians who play beautiful football, control the ball, dominate possession and obviously have that um, advantage at home as well. But they just weren't clinical enough. And I think Defensi with this year showed that they'd learnt from their previous experiences in this tournament. And and realistically, going into this last round of fixtures, we, we kind of thought it was going to be the, the big showdown between Defensi with this year and Independiente del Valle. But to be honest, it was it was all done and uh, done and dusted, mainly thanks to that um the the week before where uh the, Defensive this year had got a last gasp, Brian Romero winner against Palomenas, albeit a second string Palomenas side. And um, IDV had sort of slipped up to Universitario. So realistically, it was it was only to kind of see who got the Sudamericana spot in the end. Um, but yeah, very impressive from Defensive Justicia. Um, 
Brian Romero coming back into form right right at the right time. I think that's 18 goals in 18 uh, uh, continental matches. Um, and, and again, I think the goal that, it, that he scored, the equaliser, um, was sort of typical of, of, of maybe where Defensive Justicia had the slight edge on um, the Ecuadorians. They kind of caught them playing out from the back and and, and then made that count. And and Independiente del Valle, they missed a penalty. They they had a couple of really good chances as well. And I think that was just the story of their campaign, really, just not taking their chances. And and they'll be they'll be ruining them for sure because it, it was a group that they could, they could have got out of. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was the, that was the big storyline. Not as much drama on the final day, and and going through with it with a very looking pal, uh, very good looking Palmeiras side. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Palmeiras uh, in the final game played Universitario at home, and and they had Patrick de Paul on the bench, Ronnie on the bench, Luis Adriano on the bench, uh, Rafael Vega, who's been important on the bench as well. Uh, and they just destro- destroyed them 6-0. <laughs> and they look very, very comfortable, very strong throughout. Um, you know, even they've even got Lucas Lima, who was once one of the best players on the continent. You, you can barely get minutes, even in kind of the the we've already gone through sympathy kind of game, giving minutes to everyone, and, and you can't even get Lewis uh, Lucas Lima on the bench on the pitch. So Palmeiras are incredibly strong, and I think you're right in terms of defensive justicia probably just being a bit more efficient. Uh, a bit more organised, a bit tighter in defence. And then also, I think they're they're more happy to get the ball into the box or to take some risks in terms of frequency of opportunities. IDV work it really nicely and try and get that perfect, perfect opening or try to cut open the defence. Whereas defensively, this year, play some good, attractive uh, dynamic football, but, but they'll they'll get the ball in the box if they, you know, if they have to, and they'll whip crosses in and they'll put a lot of different service in there. So, I just think they're a more efficient team, which eventually made the made the difference. Ralph, what are your thoughts on this group? Uh, impressed with uh, Defensa Justicia, Palmeiras? Uh, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, similar to you guys, I kind of agree that Defensa Justicia maybe just just showed a bit more than Independiente del Valle. Maybe maybe do deserve to go through to to the next round. I mean, it was both two sides that we've seen kind of perform very well and play very very exciting brands of football. So uh, you were kind of being pleased with with either getting through. And then for Palmeiras, it's very interesting because this is how they started uh, last season. They, you know, they were blowing teams away and playing really well. And then we saw kind of almost a different team in the knockout stages as as things got tough and, and people were calling them a, a kind of, you know, one of the more boring teams in a way. But they've they've kind of reminded us of what they were doing uh, in last season's competition, because I think they they ended up scoring more goals than anybody else in the group stages, uh, and now it'll be really interesting to see thinking ahead with Palmeiras, especially as how they start to perform now that Brasileirao started, because it's always much easier for these Brazilian sides. I feel in the group stages because they're playing state championships, and maybe that you know they don't they don't have to worry so much about what's going on in in their domestic league, and they can really focus on Libertadores. Um, so let's see if they can keep up that kind of free-flowing goal scoring with people like like Ronnie, who's a who's a really great player, and and a shout out to Gustavo Gomez, the the captain, the Paraguayan, who's you know who's always playing very well with Palmeiras and and kind of helps lead uh, lead that defense, uh, which has been you know which ultimately took them uh, through the knockouts last season. 
Okay, perfect. Well, let's, uh, Rafa, I'll stay with you as well. We've begun to Group B. It looked as though we had a we had a Venezuelan-Bolivian 1-2 once upon a time, but in the end, um, perhaps we got the result we we would have expected, but it was it was much more much closer, much more dramatic, and it was it was sorted on the final day, but on the final day in quite emphatic style. No, Ralph, uh, Olympia going through in second place uh, with that result against Tachira. Yeah, it was it was a really incredible game. I mean, to set the scene for people that might not have heard, you know, that might not have seen the uh, the standings before, Olympia had to win by four goals to to be able to qualify uh, in second place ahead of Tachira, who was their opponent on on goal difference. Um, Tachira had had won their three home games, but they'd been kind of struggling away. Olympia had had managed to beat Always Ready in both games, but didn't play very well in either. And then you know they they'd lost six one to Internacional, which is why they had the bad goal difference. So it looked very unlikely that Olympia could pull off such a big win. Um, but then but then you know the the first goal went in I think after about 20, 25 minutes. And then they grabbed another one just before half time. And then suddenly I think Tachira started started realizing wow this is a this is a reality, you know. We we don't know what to do, kind of thing. Um, and and Olympia just kept pushing forward. But the problem was, of course, their their defense has been so bad. Not just you know, not just in the Libertadores, but in the local league, they've really struggled um, under since Autumn came in. I'm trying to remember if they've kept many clean sheets, but I, it could only be one or two. Um, so as they were conceding goals, you know, and Tachira cut the the leads down to three goals twice. So suddenly it's at 5-2. Uh, Tachira have scored with 10 men um, to make it 5-2. And I think there was about six or seven minutes left on the clock and up pops Richard Ortiz, who's been at Olympia now on and off for 10 years. Um, he's He's just made 300 appearances. He's kind of club captain when he plays, but he's getting to that age where he's not playing every single game because his, his legs don't kind of have it in him. Um, and then he strikes this beautifully hit left foot shot into the corner late on to make it 6-2 and and the qualification was on. So it's a really incredible result for, for Olympia. I, I felt I felt it was very it was very hard on Tachira who who had played really well. As we said, they won those three home games during the group. So you know there's there were some good results in there. They were. They looked very organised, um, and they, you know, you you hoped that maybe they were going to get through to kind of fly the flag for Venezuela, who who don't usually have teams into the the last sixteen. But Olympia maybe dug in, and maybe that's some of that. What what they say in Paraguay, it's kind of that mystica that that they have. You know, this mysticism of being uh, Libertadores champions, having won it three times, and and having that knack of of getting through and, and, you know, clawing their way through even when they don't play well. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good result for them and, and for Internacional. Uh, we had seen throughout the group stages, they, they look on their day. They can be, they can be very strong and, and on other days they did seem vulnerable. Um, so I don't know if I put them there as a, as a kind of candidate up with somebody like Palmeiras in, in group A. 
Yeah, Tom, what, what are your thoughts? First, I mean, on, on Olympia as well, getting through big result for them, but also Internacional that, you know, they have looked good at times, but they only got through now. Obviously, the final game was a bit of a, uh, they were already secured of their position. So, you know, finishing nil-nil in the, the final game of always ready, you know, pinch of salt and all that. But, had they not got that late, late winner against Olympia, then, you know, they would have technically been out <laughs> in the, on the final day, uh, having with the results having finished as they did. Um, so they they got through. They, they were in a strong position at one point. They let things slip away in Venezuela. Uh, they didn't score against Always Ready in the final day. You know, there's, there's some positives, but also some perhaps concerning signs for Internacional. What are your thoughts on them, Tom? Yeah, I agree. I, th I think it was a group that had lots of twists and turns, but ultimately ended up with probably everyone's pre-tournament favourites in this group going through. But as you said, you know, the Brazilians, albeit, you know, they, they had to sort of avoid an absolute disaster, losing at home to always ready um, to, to get to get through. And, and to be honest, um, Boca legend Carlos Lampe was was probably man of the match in the game. They did have a lot of chances. They really dominated. And, and I think, especially given that it was a very changed first 11, uh, realistically, they they knew that they had the game. You know, they weren't going to lose the game. And, and it was it was they were going to go through, albeit not quite in, in convincing fashion, as we'd would have expected. Your mate Mosquera had, had a bit of a, a chance, but I think that was that was about it, really. So, yeah, Inter go from the sublime to the, you know, slight weak um, displays, as, as we've mentioned there. And I, as much as I think they have the potential and they have the squad depth and, and the talent there to, to go quite a long way in this tournament. You never know if that certainly their away performance mean that they could, they could really shoot themselves in the foot in, in the lockout stages. So I'm, I'm kind of holding, holding my predictions on them going all the way. Just, just yet, even though I think they're they're certainly in the mix and, and then, yeah, as we mentioned, Olympia, I mean, it's, it's so hard to know, what Olympia we're going to see going forward. And, you know, they, they played some really good stuff in that final game. and But then they, they almost threw it away twice, um, but showed great spirit. And maybe that experience uh, that, that Ralph mentioned there in the tournament, the Mystica got them through in the end. And, and they do have some good players. One player I wanted to ask Ralph about actually was, uh, was Peter. Um, you know, he's, he was great before he came to Olympia and, and he got a really, really important uh, brace. Do you think this is potentially a springboard for both him and Olympia going forward? It's a potential springboard for, for Peter, who was who was kind of much maligned by Olympia fans because he, he came with such a good record, as you were mentioning. He played really well at, at Luqueño and then he struggled a lot. He, you know, it was almost a running joke that he wasn't able to score, but then came through in this game with two really well-taken goals that kind of, well, I think actually one maybe got given as an own goal, but you know, it was, it was that kind of big, he's a big physical kind of classic number nine plays well with his back to goal. And he was showing all of that. He's only 21, I think. Um, but the rumors in Paraguay at the moment is that he's, he's actually trying to, to get a move out of Olympia. So he might not even be with us in the, in the knockout stages, um, Olympia lining up one of Nacional's players, Carlos Arrua, who, who did quite well in the local league. Um, but definitely for Peter, it, you know, this has reminded people of what he can offer 
Um, so we might we might see him uh, actually making a, a jump abroad during this this European summer, uh, South American winter. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, very good. Well, let's move on to Group C. Uh, and Tom, I'll come back to you. Uh, Barcelona and Boca. You have uh, Santos, last year's finalists, out uh, the strongest. Who you know picked things up towards the end and got a few points on the board, despite a pretty pretty slow start. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts on these two, Barcelona and Boca? And are you surprised uh, with Santos? They didn't. They didn't really ever really get going you know obviously some good players but a lot of youth and I think perhaps that lack of experience was important no yeah definitely because they showed signs of a mini revival in the in the sort of mid section of this group but in the end um, the last two results were very disappointing for them and I think given that they given that Boca managed to get that draw against Barcelona they knew again that having the strongest at home, they were probably going to get the job done. And then obviously were helped out by Barcelona beating Santos just to make, make doubly sure of it. But yeah, I, I think from it's, it's been an interesting group. One maybe that maybe not leaving us loads to get excited about. Although I do think Barcelona are a team that are going to cause anyone um, in this competition problems there. They're, you know, very strong at home. They've shown that they're solid in defence. They're effective going forward. Um, I think they're going to be a team that that has the potential to be a bit of a dark horse in in this competition. And and realistically, this is a group that Boca should have got through a lot more comfortably. But even though they haven't been at their best, um, again, they've got that that mystica, that knowledge of this tournament to to get through. And and again, as they've been in the entire time under Rousseau, they've they've got that really, really solid defence that is is being the hallmark of of them progressing and, and doing well at a local level and um and in this competition. Only six goals going forward though. That is the big, big worry. Um they don't have a, a goal scorer that is probably gonna hold them back from going far in this competition. And and realistically it's you know, you, you can't really point to any of their games and say that one, they were entertaining or two, that they were that convincing realistically. So um, Boca have a lot of work um, to do. Um, and, I, and I think that key result was probably the first one when they won away in Bolivia. I think without that, they would have been in all kinds of trouble. Um, you know, there, there are there are positive signs there. Some young midfielders coming through, Bija and linking up very well with his Colombian compatriots Fabra and, and Cardona for the for the second goal there. I think Cardona coming back into the side is a big, big uh benefit for, for Boca. Um but yeah I, I do worry about them going forward and and Santos I think just it just really highlights how great an achievement last year was because there was no way they should have got to the final given all the turmoil off the pitch the the very young squad the lack of players coming coming in and and this year kind of told for them really in terms of yes they've got some really young exciting players Kaiki Melo was was one of the stands out stand out in in the center of the park uh, center of defense rather um but yeah losing Sotelo and and changing managers it just 
yeah, it just wasn't a great tournament for them. And and yes, it's a, it's probably the biggest casualty that we've had from this group stage. But realistically, when you when you look at everything um, by t- you know taking a step back, Santos going out when you've got a, a good Barcelona side and and Boca in the same group isn't isn't necessarily a massive shock. So yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued about Barcelona, but um, perhaps uh, I'm still waiting to be impressed by Boca. Yeah, I think I think Barcelona are interesting. I think Barcelona is a team we've a few a few on a few previous editions we've got a bit excited about and they've let us down a little bit. But they are a team I think can do damage against some of the big names. You know, very high energy, lots of good pressing, very quick in transitions. You know, I can see if if they can put the chances away that they create in those situations. I see them as a team that that will be will be a worry for a lot a lot of sides going forward. We'll talk about the draw in a minute, but I think Barcelona definitely one to watch. Uh, Ralph, what do you think in this group? If you were going to pick Barcelona or Boca, who do you think are best suited to go on a bit of a run in this tournament? I'd be tempted to say Boca, based on well, Barcelona only conceded three goals as well, but but as Tom was mentioning, Boca's kind of defence and organisation and not scoring many goals can cannot be such an issue in these in these knockout games, which are often decided by kind of you know one one goal here or there. Um, I, I really like their two young midfielders. They have Almendra and Varela, who both you know look quite interesting players. I think Varela is only nineteen, um, and he's he's a very exciting young player. And I, I think you know if I, if if I had to put my my money on one of those two to go further, I'd, I'd still side with Boca. Um, that said, I do really enjoy watching Barcelona play. They they beat Cerro Porteño four 0 I think it was in last year's qualification for the Copa Libertadores. And at the time, kind of you know, locally, a lot of people were were poking fun at Cerro for losing by that scoreline. But you know, as as it's gone on, we've seen that Barcelona kind of no joke. And I think the standard of Ecuadorian football in general has has picked up enormously over the last two or three years. You know, it started with with Independiente del Valle, but now you have Barcelona as well, and um, and they're you know they're in maybe in contrast to to Boca, they have a that veteran, they have Damian Diaz, who must be about thirty mid thirties now, um, kind of running the show, and and he's a really great player to watch with it, you know, a lovely touch. Um, but yeah, if you if you put if I had to put my money on it, I'll go with I'll go with Boca maybe that defence and, and that kind of experience of Russo as well, the coach, is is maybe just enough for them. Okay, perfect. Well, let's go on to Group D. And obviously, we didn't have a chance last week to get together to talk about to talk about Rivers' game against Santa Fe. So we can briefly mention that one as well. Uh, but Tom, I think River will be uh, very thankful for Santa Fe for, for their inability to score and also their ability to keep Junior out. You know, they've kept them in the tournament, no? Oh, massively. The River have got away with one big time. I mean, fair play to them in that game, that famous game now that will go down in folklore and history of, of Enzo Perez and the and his 10 other teammates managing to get a result over against Santa Fe. Um, but yeah, again, I think everyone on, on the red and white side of Buenos Aires was was praising Alejandro Morales's um, goal line clearances. He's a bit of a, a cult hero now for the, for the River fans. But yeah, River not a bit like Boca. 
they were they were the two Argentinian sides who who weren't secure in their in their passage to the knockouts until the until the last game week. So really strange to see both of those guys struggling. Um, and yeah, very dramatic final day. They they were really poor against Fluminense. Um, some of the other games that I've seen them play, I've thought they've they've done well. They've created chances, but they were they were really poor. I think you can put some of that down to the the effects of players coming back after the the COVID break and and potentially some knock on effects of, of that. But they were just very sloppy in possession. Caracal in particular really guilty of losing the ball and um, and Fluminense showing how in in little spells they can be super efficient and and score the goals that they need to with uh, with Fred once again being being decisive albeit in a, a more of a playmaker role um, this time so I don't know whether it's just the fact that River are in a bit of a transitional year having lost some some big players like um, Nacho Fernandez um, Quintero you know uh, Prato. Uh, Martinez Cuarta as well that you know maybe it's a case that they're still just trying to figure out the system and and get the young younger players coming through um or whether it's a case they've they've just about done what what they needed to and and they're going to pull it together when it when it really matters I'm I'm still not too sure I've got all the faith in the world in their manager who's who's brilliant um and they've got some very good players in that squad but they yeah they will be breathing a massive sigh of relief and and as we've seen in in previous campaigns sneaking through the group stage doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna gonna struggle that obviously looking back at 2015 they they did they were very lucky to get through that group and they they went on and won the thing and San Lorenzo did a, a similar sort of thing the year before as well so you can never write it off especially when these big clubs have the opportunity and time to to strengthen again so yeah very fortunate and they will be thanking the great defense of uh, Santa Fe <laughs> except when they played against them um and junior somehow contriving to to not score <laughs> which i'm sure you will tell us all about the most colombian of <laughs> colombian performances this year yeah it was ridiculous because santa fe were defensively all right all tournament apart from that 10 minutes at the start of the game against River, when their defense completely disappeared, and I think you know, I think the pressure of of that game against River, like usually a Colombian team goes to play River, you underdogs, you know, you'll see what you can do. There's not many expectations, but this game, you're playing against a team with no goalkeeper and no subs. <laughs> like, this is proper Sunday league. Like, oh come on, lads, look, they're not even serious. They haven't got a goalkeeper. Who are they putting in goal? Come on, lads, you've got to put six past them. And then, you know, they they froze up and they they panicked. I think I think Santa Fe might have had a better chance if they had a goalkeeper in the in goal for River because you could see the defenders lose their minds in that in that first 20 minutes against uh against uh, River Plate and then you know unable to get any half decent shots on goal until they scored and then eventually lost 2-1 and so Santa Fe this week or the last couple of weeks have been a, a national embarrassment for Colombia to to lose against a team with no goalkeeper with the whole world looking and laughing and then they didn't even do the honorable thing and lay down and let Junior win to get a Colombian team through there were t- people on the TV on the news going 
Santa Fe, please, you know, <laughs> we need we need something for Colombia right now. We need a boost. We haven't had anyone in the knockout stages for a while. Please just do the right thing. Send your reserve teams. Don't 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 play any subs. Don't feel the goalkeeper. Just let Junior win and, and have a Colombian team go through. Santa Fe didn't do that. They they cleared the ball off the line repeatedly. Junior again. They were they 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 picked up and took control of the game in the second half, but Santa Fe were all over Junior in the first half. And you're like, guys, come on! <laughs> as a as a neutral who just wants a Colombian through, just please, just you know, guys. So in the end, Junior couldn't get the goal despite Santa Fe already being lim- eliminated, and the two Colombian teams eliminate each other, uh, and River Plate somehow sneak through um, despite you know playing with uh, no subs, no goalkeeper in the last game and then getting comfortably beaten in the, the, the most recent game. But there we go. Fluminense and River Plate go through. And as you say, River Plate, a mess in the last few weeks, but got that big result against Santa Fe against all of the odds. Uh, and now they'll go into the knockout stage with a goalkeeper. So, you know, all, all good news for them. <laughs> Let's move on to Group E as well. Um, Ralph, I'll come to you. Uh, Racing top of the group, impressive. Uh, perhaps, you know, uh, I think, you know, obviously Racing and Sao Paulo, clear winners in this group, 14 points for Racing uh, and 11 points for Sao Paulo with uh, Sporting Cristal and Antistas kind of quite far, quite far adrift at the bottom. Uh, who of these two kind of caught your eye, Ralph? Were you impressed with Sao Paulo? Uh, they, they played some really good stuff at times and Racing obviously top as well is very impressive. Yeah, um, I'm, I mean, I'm liking Sao Paulo and the, and the Crespos. He's kind of, you know, bought that style. He, he had started at Defensa y Justicia, you know, a lot of possession, attractive football. Um, and they, you know, Sao Paulo is, uh, has this, this, incredible, uh, this incredible squad in terms of they have somebody like Dani Alves who who's playing and still playing at a really high level. I think, I think he's just got injured, but I would assume he's, he's back for the, for the knockout rounds. Um, and, and I think, you know, they, they came second, but there was one game, I think it was the game they lost to Racing that I think they had put kind of a, a weakened side because they're playing a, a, a cup game in Brazil which is which is quite surprising, but at that point, I think they they felt you know they they were already going to qualify and and whether first or second for these Brazilian teams is that and you know is that important? I'm not sure. In in terms of they would they feel they could they would beat anybody. And then on the side of um, of wrestling, I mean it's it's exciting. They have uh, Mati Rojas, the the Paraguayan, and also Melgarejo, um, who's who's also Paraguayan, and then. They've actually Paraguay's actually just um, called up a, or looking to call up another player in wrestling in Cáceres. He didn't get called up for this squad, but they're hoping to to nationalise him as well. So that's always interesting for us. And I think wrestling did surprise in terms of if we want to compare them with Boca and River, who we're talking about, were kind of struggling. Um, Maybe we didn't expect Racing to to be you know to be able to take this group as easily as they did, and only conceding two goals. Which, um, if you think again, you know, looking at that, they had to play Sao Paulo and also Sporting Cristal, who who weren't great in the end, but we'd seen them play quite good football in in Peru domestically. So there was always a chance they might spring a surprise. But to get through the that group, Racing unbeaten and only conceding two goals. 
you know, make, makes you think there's there's some substance there for the knockout rounds. Yeah, Tom, uh, impressive stuff from Racing. Uh, what are your thoughts? I, it definitely felt that uh, Cristal and Rentistas were, were two of the easier opponents they could have faced. Um, but, you know, top of the group, two goals conceded, decent number of goals scored, uh, looking good for Racing. Yeah, definitely one of the surprise packages. Not so much in the fact that a big team, one of the grandes in Argentina, is doing well. But I think if you asked any person who follows Argentinian football, they would have had Racing down as probably the weakest of the bunch. I mean, yes, they haven't had a tough uh, group, but at the same time, they're doing really well. And they're um, in domestically, they're through to the final of the Copa de la Liga. Um, they beat Boca on penalties uh, the, the other day. Um, so PC's really turned it around for them. They don't play the traditional Racing way in terms of, you know, a, a club that's famous for its uh, wanting to play an attractive style at least. Um, but they've they've really shored things up defensively. I think they've seven games without conceding a goal right now, which is incredible um, given that they, you know, they, they aren't the strongest squad on paper. Um, and a lot of a lot of respect does need to go to Pizzi, whether you enjoy watching his football or not. He's he's getting the results, and and certainly with Adias, the Ch- uh, Chilean in goal, he's one of the best goalkeepers on the continent. I would say um, he's been very good. The, the reinforcements they've made as well have have worked really nicely. I think the I think the thing that's really just giving them yet the edge is um, Chankalai coming into form. He's Absolutely incredible. I think it's eight in his last 10 and and about uh, 10 in 20 odd games for Racing, which to put into context, before that, he'd only scored about eight goals in 82 games for Colón. So it's 22 and everything he touches right now is going in. And, And when you've got a solid team like that and someone who can finish the chances up front, then you, you're going to do well in this tournament. So uh, Chankalai getting a penalty, uh, sorry, no, not a penalty, a hat-trick in the final game really, I think, summed up what Racing are, are all about right now. And um, yeah, they're, they're looking in much better nick than they were going into this tournament. So um, yeah, impressive from them. And and to be honest, um, you know, looking at the other sides, a little word for Rentistas who, um, you know, think everyone saw them as, one of the weakest sides in the competition, um, absolute minnows there. But the, you know they held their own, and and uh, yeah, they only finished up with three points and and no no win. But um, I think there's some positive signs for them to take forward as well. So yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting because you you do think that both Racing and Sao Paulo, knowing that they were both comfortably going through, maybe haven't tested themselves against the really highest um, opposition um, and. Who know? It just makes it hard to predict. I think whether they're a case that they've they've not been found out yet, or whether they're they're holding back the uh, uh, the, the good stuff and and the fact that they've had a, a a more leisurely route so far actually puts them in better stead. Who, who knows? But yeah, definitely um, uh, perhaps slightly surprising, albeit the two clubs we'd expect to go through. Um, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, Tom, I'll stay with you because we've got more Argentine good news. Oh, no, 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 no. There we go. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Uh, and we'll come <laughs> to the Colombian bad news as well uh, as a dessert. Um, but first of all, Argentina's junior flying through. Who would have thought? Back in the competition, top of the group, 
looking pretty good when the Universidad uh, joining them uh, in uh, going through from this group in Group F. What what are your thoughts on Argentinos and uh, and what about the Chileans? Yeah, I've been quite impressed with Argentinos Juniors really because again they were a side that I wasn't expecting too much of, and um, but every time I've watched them, they've they've shown that they're looking to play possession football. They have been efficient going forward. They're not just a, a defensively solid team that's you know looking to soak up pressure and nick one. They they do actually try and play some good football, um, you know, albeit with maybe more of a limited limited squad than other teams um and i think because they got off to such a flyer they've now just kind of tailed off a little bit because then they they knew they were through and and also the the goals of avalos seem to have dried up a little bit sort of in sort of comparison to racing again that his goals early on really fired them through just as chankalize did for racing and again very good defense only conceded three goals and i think certainly one one of those was, or a couple of those were um, were, were when they were uh, down to ten men for for most of a game. So, uh, yeah, I think I don't think they're going to go that far, but they've shown that they're they're really tough to break down, and um, and certainly they've they've had a good good uh, record against their their next opponents, which we'll get onto uh, a little bit later. But yeah, th- another one of the biggest surprises in a very interesting and tight group, even if maybe it's not full of the, the most high-end uh, teams in the competition. Yeah, I think, well, the, the two Nacionals go out, Atletico Nacional of Colombia and Nacional of Uruguay. Uh, they kind of saved all of the exciting, impressive attacking football for each other in one game. <laughs> you know, a, a huge, was a 4-4 finish in, in that draw? Um, which were, you know, most of both of their goals in the entire competition, unfortunately. So I think Atletico Nacional, uh, Andres Andra- uh, Andrade was was very, very impressive uh, and everybody else was kind of a step below. Uh, some solid defensive performances let down by the occasional individual mistake, lack of concentration. So a disappointing one for Atletico Nacional, Nacional of Uruguay. Again, they look really dangerous and really effective in those moments against Atletico Nacional where they would just get a chance and score straight away. But they didn't look as as dangerous and as clinical in some of their other games. Uh, Ralph, what are your thoughts on this group? Uh, happy with Universidad Católica and Argentinos. Uh, do you think either of these teams have any chance of going much further in this competition? Or were they just the best in a, in a very tight, although not particularly strong group? I think the latter there, you know, maybe not the best in in what became a tight group between, you know, teams that were kind of all taking points off each other and, and maybe not not showing as much as much quality as expected. I mean, just for me, for Atletico Nacional, it really surprised me based on their their qualification uh, games because they they played two Paraguayan teams first, Guarani and then Libertad. And and when they you know they rolled over Guarani very easily, but at the time I think everybody felt well well that team's been weakened a lot specifically because Libertad had bought two two key players from from Guarani. Uh, but then when they beat Libertad over two legs as well and qualified, I thought wow you know this uh, this actually has got a a team together. And at the time when the group stages started, uh, Catolica looked very bad under under Poyet. You know he 
you felt he hadn't really got the team clicking or working. So if anything, I would have expected, you know, Católica to have been last and Atlético Nacional to come to come second and be in the last 16. But but as it ended up, I suppose momentum is so important and, and Nacional or Atlético Nacional, I should say, have been on such a such a bad run in the last kind of six, seven games, you know, taking into the, the local games as well. And Católica have managed to start picking up and, and getting some points and, and that saw them through. And then just a, a quick note on Argentinos Juniors, their top scorer in the group was, was another Paraguayan, Gabriel Avalos, who's, I think he's 30 years old and he's got his first call-up to the national team. So he's in the... World Cup qualifier squad based on basically based on the performances in Libertadores because that seems to convince Perisa that there's something about him that he might be able to do at, at the top level. Interesting. I think it's also, I mean, with all of the Colombian teams, and again, this is these kind of off the field distractions have affected different different countries to different extents at different moments. Obviously, Chile had a moment where we perhaps didn't focus enough on on how mentally exhausting it can be to live in a country with such protests and and I think that definitely has played a, a role in some of the particularly you know we've seen Atletico Nacional they they were close to qualification in the last two games really dropped off um, and it has been very intense uh, in in the cities in Colombia it's not possible to host football games in Colombia at the moment uh, they tried it in the Libertadores, didn't happen they tried it with the Copa America it's not going to happen um, so that may have been a factor as well, along with the momentum and you know the uptake in, in form with with Catolica, um, may explain how how that group shake you know finished out. Because yeah, I think those four teams are all quite similar levels. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. You know, we've we've seen some groups where where sides have found it easy. You know, will Sao Paulo or Racing get a bit of a shock? Uh, but on the other hand, you know, Group F, Argentinos and Catolica have had to battle to get through. Uh, will that give them? some you know some some experience with these tough must-win games it'd be interesting to see how that works out uh tom group g probably what we'd expect although ldu quito looked quite good at one point uh in the end velez have just gone through ahead of them uh with flamengo heading through but you know ldu were quite impressive and union la calera as well had a few decent games so that was actually quite a competitive group in the end and uh flamengo and velez the argentines and the brazilians make it through all your thoughts on this one yeah, I think it was one of the most watchable groups, um, for sure. Before the tournament started, it was one of the, the groups I had earmarked for to, to, to watch as much as I could have, because um, um, obviously I'm a big fan of Velez, but also uh, previous champions Flamengo and all their star-studded teams, and, and Quito impressed me last year. Um, and La Calera, you know, again, they're one of these smaller clubs who, who try to play the right way. They've got an interesting project going on there. So there was a lot to like about this group, but I think the two best teams uh, got through. And, and to be honest, in this final round of fixtures, there, there wasn't too much riding on it with, with Flamengo and Velez. Um, through and, and they played out a goalless draw there. Uh, Flamengo with lots of decent half chances and, and definitely had the better of the game there. Probably should have won that. De Arasqueta with a with a lovely shot against the post. Um, but yeah, it's um, I think while Flamengo have looked breathtaking at times and you know you just look at their team and it's stacked full of talent, they have shown that they have got the the odd weak weaknesses. Um, They've conceded quite a lot compared to a lot of the other group winners. 
And that could be a bit of an issue going forward. What probably does stand in their favour is the fact that they've, they have been cha- challenged by a lot of difficult scenarios. You know, Vélez being one of the better teams in Argentina right now. Quito, always difficult to go away there and, and, and play and, and they can cause teams trouble. So, whereas in previous years, we've seen them maybe being a bit of a... Uh, a bully when it comes to other Brazilian sides and then struggle against uh, non-Brazilian sides. This has been really good practice for them, I think, in terms of getting them game ready um, through the group. Vélez, really impressed with them as well, um, especially having lost their first two games to come back and, and get three wins and a draw in their final four games, I thought was really, really good from them. They have got a a really nice team there um, under Pellegrino, Thiago Almada, one of the standouts from this tournament, and a and a guy who's who's just matured now um, into the player we all knew he could be. Um, I'm sure regular listeners will be sick of me waxing lyrical about him, but I'm going to take every chance I I can while he's still playing in this competition. Um, and yeah, it was it was a pretty Goldfield game between Quito and La Calera, 5-2. Um, braces for Amarilla, Saez and, and Arce. Quite a lot of errors. Um, I think it's probably showed where La Calera have been naive. The amount of times they, they were either sort of got caught out playing from the back or I think one, one um, example just when they kind of got themselves back in the game was when Billy Arce uh, got his first one. There was... Um, you know, the goalkeeper kicked the ball out of play under little pressure. There was a quick throw from Quito that kind of went over all the La Calera players' heads and they were immediately outnumbered. The cross came in, they scuffed their lines there. It's probably, you know, the, the third time they had to get rid of it. And then Arsage sort of uh, went past one and, and scored. So I think that just kind of summed up their tournament, really. Um, maybe not quite having the requisite quality, um, especially in this group, to to try and play the way they did and, and they got caught out and and Quito yeah maybe they could have given up a bit more of a fight to, to get second place but um, they'll be an interesting team in the Sudamericana for sure so yeah this 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 was a good one um, and um, I'm I'm pretty positive about both Flamengo and, and Velez going forward. Okay, perfect. Well, let's look at the final group. Um, so we have we have another Paraguayan qualifier. There we go. Uh, Minero finished top of the group uh, in very emphatic fashion. Um, Hulk is <laughs> is too good for this competition. Still uh, keeps scoring. You know, he scored so many goals already. Um, just you know, setting goals up. Him and uh, Savarino, the Venezuelan, a really good pair in attack. There for Minero. So, so far, so very, very impressive for Minero. But the team joining them is Cerro Porteño. Um, Ralph, what are your thoughts on this group? Um, happy with seeing Cerro through? What were your thoughts on, on Minero? Uh, how, what were your thoughts on this group overall? Yeah, it became a very tight group for the for the three teams other than, than Atletico Minero. That, as you mentioned, Hulk. I think he was kind of a, a level above everybody else and, and pretty much unstoppable on on his day. And while they raced to kind of 15 goals in those six games, Cerro actually only qualified scoring four goals, which is the least of everybody. Um, America de Cali only scored five and La Guaida two. So you can kind of see that, you know, all that firepower was, was stacked up with the, the Brazilians. 
Um, Cerro are, are looking really organized, very good. They're always very good under Chiquiase. Um, I would say in terms of their, their first 11, he, he has a really good first 11 or maybe first 14, let's say. They don't have much squad depth. So where they could struggle is, you know, in these later rounds, if there's injuries or suspensions, um, they could, you know, they could find it difficult to replace a few key players like their captain, Santi, or up front, they're playing with Bocelli or sometimes Morales. But apart from those two, they really are are no kind of goal threats. Um, their, their left back, Asamendia, hasn't been playing very well recently, but that's actually a good, maybe a good thing for Cerro because it means he won't get snapped up by anybody else because I think he had a really good uh, Copa America in 2019 and there was a there was a feeling he might have to leave Paraguay, you know, and, and go somewhere else. But at the moment, they, they still got hold of him, a hold of him, which helps. Um, and just to... To talk about that Cerro defense, I mean, they lost 4-0 uh, in uh, in Belo Horizonte where, where Hulk played and, and scored twice. But other than that, they only conceded one goal in the whole in the whole group. And that was also to Mineiro uh, in like the 94th minute when they finally broke them down. So uh, that gives me some hope that that you know if they can they can try and try and stay firm in a in a knockout game. They might be able to sneak sneak through, um, but I think for for somebody like Atlético Mineiro, uh, I would put them up there, you know, along with the uh, Flamengos and Palmeiras as as one of the contenders. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, quick fire round. We're going to finish up. We've, we're running short on time. We're going to finish up. We're going to go through the 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 fixtures for the next round, and I want one sentence, maybe two, maximum. Who's going to win? What are you looking forward to in the game? Are you ready? Are you ready? No, no time for thinking. I, I haven't given anyone anyone any time to prepare for this, but we're all going to bet our bet our houses on these results. So make sure you get them right. So we're going to go through them. Uh, Tom, we have Vélez Sarsfield against Barcelona, round of sixteen. Who's going to win? What are you looking forward to about this game? Whoa, this one is definitely going to be a fun game. I think the winner of this game. And I'm not sure who it's going to be. <laughs> Sorry to sit on the fence, but I think they're going to be the dark horse that maybe is the the surprise semi finalist. That's what I'm going to say. Surprise semi finalist comes from this game. Uh, okay, and and who is this? <laughs> okay, Ralph. One word. Who is the surprise semi finalist from this game? Barcelona. Barcelona. Okay, there we go. Right, I'll say Vélez then. I'll say Vélez. I'll go with my heart and say Vélez. Oh, I'm going Barcelona. There we go. Two versus one. Okay, game two. Boca Juniors, Atletico Minero. Huge game. What do you reckon? Ralph, who's going to win? Oh, this is so tough. It's kind of attack versus defence. Uh, I feel attack will just win out and Atletico Minero will do it. Okay, Hulk's going to bully, bully them. I, I'm happy with Minero, Tom. Going to make a case for, for the Argentines or is Hulk going to blow them out of the, out of the water? Yeah, I think that Minero have got too much. I think this is one of the ties of the round and it's not going to set up that, that Super Classico quarterfinal that the Argentinian press are already getting very excited about. So, yeah, Gallo through. Okay, Hulk is going to ruin things. All right, fair enough. Nice. All right, Sao Paulo Racing. This one's quite an interesting one. Uh, what do we think? Uh, two teams who've played each other already. Uh, Ralph, Sao Paulo or Racing? Sao Paulo, I think it helps that they played each other before and they, they did lose that game. So I don't think they'll fall into the same trap. Okay, Tom, uh, Racing, Sao Paulo? Um, I'm going to say that it's not going to be an interesting game, like you said. It's, it's going to be dull. <laughs> Racing on penalties. 
Rassing on penalties. All right, cool. Okay, Olympia. Here we go. Paraguay's Olympia versus Internacional. Interesting. What do you reckon, Ralph? I will actually go for Olympia based based on that second game against Internacional where they seem to have pulled themselves together a bit. And they're they're on they're on this kind of run of form where they feel they can they can beat anybody. So I'll I'll go for Olympia will somehow scrape through. Okay, nice. Tom, uh will will the bald frauds uh, international wake up or are Olympia gonna shock them? Yeah, I think a Tyson inspired knockout blow to the Paraguayans, I'm afraid. Okay, cool. Tom, I'll stay with you. River Plate, Argentinos, all Argentine tie. Are River Plate going to play a goalkeeper? Are they going to win? What do you reckon? Ooh, this this one's tougher than it sounds, I think. Uh, Argentinos Juniors have got a really good record against them lately, but I think River will just about have the know-how to, to scrape through. Okay, uh, Ralph, happy with River on that one? Yeah, I'll go with the River. Okay, the experience, the big names. Okay, okay, and what about Cerro? What do you reckon? How much of a chance do they have against Fluminense? Uh, it, it was one of the teams I was hoping they'd avoid because then they have to play Fred, who's, who's been so good. Um, so, unfortunately, I don't think Cerro can do it. But And let's let's hope, but well, not hope, but let, let's see if there's anything like the 2009 Sudamericana game between these two, which if you look it up on YouTube, was a huge, huge fight at the end. Okay, interesting, interesting. Tom, uh, happy with Fluminense on that one? Yeah, I, th- I think they've been um, th- they've got something about them a bit like Set Santos did, where they just they can get the job done in little flurries, and and I think they've got that they've just got a peak Libertadores squad. So yeah, I think I'm going to say flu, but not as not as convincingly as as some people might expect. Oh, we'll see. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not ruling Cerro out for that one. They're very efficient. That's what that's the word that sprung to mind with Cerro against the, the Colombians against America. America had all of the ball, but Cerro were always in control. So I give them a decent chance. We'll see how it goes. Tom, what about this? Defensa y Justicia against Flamengo. Uh, ooh, tough one for Defensa, no? Yeah, it's tough. They've they've had a tough draw throughout, and it's intriguing. They've you know they've shown that they can they can do it, but I think that their defence isn't going to be able to hold uh, Flamengo at bay. Um, so, yeah, Flamengo to, to get through. To get a, a just win, perhaps. Um, Not a bold <laughs> shout. <laughs> uh, Ralph, uh, happy with Flamengo there? Yeah, I agree. I think there's just that squad depth and all those names is it, just will be a little bit too strong for defence equals these here. Okay, perfect. And Ralph, finally, uh, Palmeiras Católica. Palmeiras, probably. What do you think? Yeah, I can't. I can't see Católica making a dent in in Palmeiras here at, the, at this kind of stage. Um, so yeah, definitely going with them for this one. Cool, Tom. Any objections? No, I think this is probably the probably the most cut and dry one. I think Poyet is going to be way too cautious and going to get found out, even with. Clemente Montes's magic rat tail on his side. So Palmeiras, Palmeiras all the way. And I noticed, Simon, that you haven't been predicting any of these. So no, I, I don't I, think I, you're going to get away with it. I want to, I want to know the, the teams you think are going through as well. well. Just a list very quickly. Okay. This is, this yeah, is list. even less thought than you. Okay. I'm Barcelona, Minero, Sao Paulo, uh, Olympia. There we go. Um, River Plate, Cerro. There we go. Uh, Flamengo and Palmeiras. 
Too many Brazilians. Just, but su- sucking up to Ralph there with uh, both Paraguayans. <laughs> with the Paraguayans, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> no, no, this is me trying to justify Colombians struggling against them, basically. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I thought Ralph was going to claim Racing as uh, honorary, uh, honor- honorary Paraguayans and back them as well. That's true, yeah. yeah but... Um, I do really like uh, I do really like Crespo's style. I'm, I'm also wondering. I mean, going off here, but I wonder if he ends up in in Europe soon because he he is a very exciting manager. Interesting to see. Interesting to see. Well, guys, you can watch the Copa Libertadores if you want, or just assume what we said will happen happened. Um, but there we go. There's your preview. Get your bets in. Uh, bet the house. Bet everything. Probably don't do that. We're probably wrong. This is the Libertadores, so whatever we say is going to happen probably won't. But you, you still listen to us anyway, so thanks for that. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The Libertadores content will take a break, but we've got lots of Copa America to discuss. Uh, <laughs> whatever it, wherever it's held uh, next week, uh, on the week after. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be South American football, but we don't really know where or how or who's going to go there. But there we go. Surprises galore over here on the South American football show. Um, so thank you, Tom. Thanks for joining me. Anything you want to mention or plug before we say goodbye? No, you can just find me on Twitter at tomorrow 89 And uh, yeah, there'll be some pieces going up there. Certainly keep an eye on that for the end of the Argentinian season as well. Perfect. And Ralph, where can people follow you and where can people keep up to date on Paraguayan football news? I'm on Twitter at Paraguay Ralph and you can check out my blog paraguayfootball.wordpress.com where I'm adding some content and lots of previews involving the the Paraguayan sides. Perfect. Excellent. And uh, if you want to follow me at Simon Edwards SAF, I wrote a whole uh, Copa America preview some of which is no longer true, <laughs> quite a few things which are no longer true, but it's still good. Uh, and I also wrote some stuff about the Colombian League and I've got loads of stuff coming out. So go follow me there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again soon, I am sure, uh, with more South American football. And we'll tell you what the hell is going on uh, for, for that week uh, for, until it changes again. But more more South American football coming your way, no doubt. And it's going to be a, a busy summer of football. So So stick with us. Follow us, subscribe, send a review. Go and send a review. That would be nice. I'll I'll go and look. Make sure you go and send a review. But apart from that, join us next week. We'll be back talking more South American football. Thank you for listening and goodbye.